Welcome to Season 9 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership learning. Are you passionate about leadership education? Do you want to expand your resource toolbox with practical teaching, learning, and program design strategies? This is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Before we get into this episode, Dan and I are calling out all of you leadership educators. Are you struggling to spice up your learning activities? Do you need somebody to bounce your ideas off of that has no stakes in the game? Meaning they're not your students, they're not your faculty peers, they're not your dean? Well, connect with us for expert guidance on creating engaging and inclusive classroom learning environments. Are you an academic leader seeking a program reviewer? Dan has availability this semester and would love to help you elevate your approach with customized feedback on your program. You can reach out to both of us through LinkedIn today. Hello and welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Dan Jacobs, Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And I'm Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. This season, we're discussing generative learning for leadership educators. This is an approach to leadership development and education that focuses on cultivating generative thinking and behaviors in leaders. Generative thinking is the ability to create new possibilities, think systemically, and generate innovative solutions to complex problems. It involves shifting from a reactive or problem-solving mindset to a proactive and creative mindset. Yeah, and we're starting each of our episodes this season just uh, filling in and reminding folks, uh, if you're coming back for another episode, good to see you again. (laughs) If not, um, welcome. And uh, so just to piggyback on what Lauren was sharing, so as we think about what does this generative learning mean within the context of leadership education, we're thinking about how this approach aims to develop leaders who can navigate uncertainty, inspire collaboration, break down barriers, maybe create some positive change in their organizations and in their communities. It will often involve experiential learning, reflection, uh, maybe being a learning organization, and the development of skills such as systems thinking, adaptive leadership, and emotional intelligence. Uh, We know much of our audience is familiar with a lot of those concepts. Our hope is that we're going to talk to guests this season about how they're thinking about these things and how they're doing uh, as we squeeze out of this pandemic, right? We're inviting leadership educators, uh, faculty in other disciplines who may have won awards for teaching, uh, as well as scholars to talk about um, artificial intelligence, ethics, social phenomena, disruptions and adaptive challenges, as well as other emerging trends and issues that are affecting leaders in our places and spaces. Uh, We're broadly asking the big question, how are we processing what's happening and affecting our classrooms and other teaching uh, and programmatic spaces and our college campuses as we try to develop curriculum, teach, evaluate leadership learning and build community. So with that said, we are excited to have a podcast newcomer for us, Liz Darger, Senior Associate Athletic Director and Senior Woman Administrator at BYU and a member of the leadership team of the NCAA Common Ground Initiative. So this is what we're going to talk about today. We'll ask Liz about Common Ground, the NCAA forum that explores how LGBTQ plus and faith-based communities can work more inclusively, respectfully, and cohesively in college sports and higher education. So Liz, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to to have you on. And so this is just one of these way serendipitous moments where, um, so, so we met and this was because of the podcast. So we had one of your, call him a colleague or someone that you had worked with in, in the past. And maybe maybe you'll, you'll fill me in here because I know you all don't work at the same institution, but that you have found uh, your way to, to working with each other and supporting some of each other's efforts and that you recently finished your dissertation and, and became Dr. Darger. And so that is something to, to celebrate. So Grant Jackson was on our podcast over the summer sharing some of his work on one of our episodes having to do with the uh, research agenda for leadership education. And um, he wanted to to bring you in to uh, work on a chapter on intergroup dialogue for a book that I'm co-editing with uh, Scott Allen and Dave Rush that will uh, come out hopefully at the end of end of next year. And he brought you onto that writing project and, and what a delight. And uh, when you started sharing with me 
during that uh, meeting around some of the work you were doing with Common Ground, I thought, how could we not invite you to, uh, if you were willing and able to contribute and share some of your work around this initiative on our podcast? So love for you to, yeah, make sure that, um, keep me honest here. And then, you know, with that, and then before we get into Common Ground, I'd love to learn a little bit more uh, about you and then how you got into athletic administration at BYU. Oh, thank you, Dan. And thank you, Lauren, for having me. Uh, this is a, a real pleasure to be with you. Yeah, so so Grant Jackson, uh, I, I met him actually through Common Ground efforts. He he had heard a little bit about NCA Common Ground and reached out just to find out more about it because of his research on intergroup dialogue. And uh, so so that was a number of years ago. And we've just we've stayed very close and worked on some different projects together. And uh, so I was grateful for the invitation to be a part of uh, writing a, a book chapter and and uh, and then the introduction to you, Dan, and uh, to be able to talk more about the Common Ground Initiative more widely. It's a it's an an initiative that is really uh, has become a, a a large part of my um, professional journey and and even and even uh, just has been a huge uh, positive in my life. And but it, it it wasn't something that was ever really on my radar. It wasn't something that was part of my job description. And so it's it's been a neat journey. Um, I'm in my ninth year at Brigham Young University. Uh, previous to working in athletic administration, I was a college basketball coach at Utah Valley University for six years. And previous to that, I was a high school counselor and a high school coach and club basketball coach for a number of years. And uh, um, every job, every step along the way, I've absolutely loved um, and 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 really have enjoyed being at BYU. I I have three degrees now from BYU, and uh, and it's a it's a school that I that I, lo I love, I believe in its mission. Uh, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is the sponsoring institution for Brigham Young University. Uh, and so um, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ and, and uh, as, as, as someone that um, wants to always work to build bridges of understanding, uh, the Common Ground Initiative has, has been a, a, a huge uh, um, learning opportunity for me. And then uh, we've been able to benefit at BYU in the athletic department and on campus from the lessons that we've learned from being part of Common Ground. Thank you so much for providing all of that information. And again, um, you know, for those of our listeners, we talked about intergroup dialogue, I think for the first time with Grant. And for those that may not have caught that episode, one, go back and listen to it. Um, but two, it's typically called Michigan model. And it's extremely, um, it's a, I don't want to say popular because that's not the right term, but it's a very well used approach that bridges theory and experiential learning for those crucial conversations. Um, my institution at, at Temple, um, we have several of our uh, diversity office um Call my colleagues in the diversity office who are um, trained in the model and have been for probably like easily 15 or so years. Um, in to add to that, um, with my experience in working in college athletics, um, and I know in common ground, these are the groups you're bringing together, um, folks that are very um, have strong spiritual and religious practices, as well as those that are identify or belong to the LGBTQ plus. Uh, community. And it's really bringing those two groups together to have these important conversations. Um, now, our understanding of the Common Ground program is that someone um, else saw an opportunity um, to get student athletes, coaches, administrators from both identities together to figure out how to close that gap. Um, is that how it started? And then kind of how did you get involved in, in the leadership of the program? Yes. So in 2014, uh, the NCAA uh, sponsored its first common ground meeting and Dr. Pat Griffin, who's professor emerita at UMass Amherst, really was at the center of that. She and some other colleagues uh, that, had, that had been working in LGBTQ advocacy work for decades uh, had really come together to, to feel like, gosh, is there something we can do to, to bridge this divide? Um, and, and they worked with some folks who are working in um, at, at religious schools and uh, with with Christian organizations, and decided to come together to say, could we do this? Could we could we could we host a, a conversation? And uh, I wasn't involved yet at that point, but but that first uh, meeting in 2014 at NCA headquarters, they 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 planned with the hope of coming out of that few days with uh, policy recommendations for 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 Christian colleges and other schools. 
And, and what they found very early on in those two days of discussions is that, oh, they, they weren't going to come out with policy discussions because there, there was a lot of work that needed to be done to even build a great amount of trust uh, with, with, these, with good folks that, that uh, were on, quote unquote, you know, both sides of this issue. And so the two days really was spent doing a lot of intergroup dialogue and trust building. And uh, Tanya Williams, uh, who's, who is an absolute pro uh, at, at, at leading intergroup dialogue. Uh, she, she is who led the, the uh, as facilitator and has continued to facilitate, facilitate every common ground since then. Uh, and, and so uh, at the end of the two days, they, they came out of it with a, with a report and, and with a, a decision that this was really going to be a long-term thing. It wasn't something that was, was there weren't quick fixes. Uh, but it would require people with common ground hearts on both sides or all sides of these issues to, to really come together uh, to, to seek ways to find common ground, to create more inclusive spaces for, uh, for student athletes from all gender identities, sexual orientations, and religions of faith perspectives. Um, so, so the way I, I got involved with, with BYU was, was in 2016. Uh, so the 2014 was Common Ground One, that was the first meeting, and then they didn't have one in 2015, but then they decided to have another one in 2016. And uh, uh, I was I was asked to represent BYU and attend. Again, it's not something that's part of my job description. It, it's it's it, uh, and it's a it's a long story of sort of how it, that all happened. But I believe now, looking back, it was by divine design that I was asked to attend on behalf of BYU. And so there were 40 people invited again to NCAA headquarters, uh, and many of them had been at this Common Ground One, and they had this leadership team now formed at that point that that really worked with Tanya to put on Common Ground too. Uh, and so I was there as the only member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with uh, a lot of other folks from small Christian colleges uh, some, and, and, and also from some private secular and large, you know, and large public schools as well. And then, and then also many LGBTQ advocates or LGBTQ uh, folks from uh, that, that worked in advocacy in, in various organizations. And uh, that two days literally changed my life. Um, uh, I, I went into it not knowing anybody there, uh, with a with a whole lot of fear, uh, and uh, and a lot of anxiety about what this space would look like. Would this space accept me, uh, and and how would I represent myself, my faith, my institution, my religion, uh, and uh, and what I found leaving there is uh, they were very hard conversations, hard dialogue, hard discussion, uh, but also. Um, I, I found even in the midst of some some really challenging dialogue, uh, there were there were also incredible opportunities where I was met with such grace, and where I was met with um, with people that had had uh, very interesting uh, and helpful questions about what I believed, and I had the chance to ask questions about other other people and their life experience and their beliefs, and what I found is is in those two days as I came away. Uh, recognizing that there are really remarkable people uh, and that there's a reason everyone is fighting so hard. We're talking about people's core identities here, core parts of people's identity. No wonder people feel so passionately and are fighting so hard. And, uh, uh, but I, that, that began a journey for me and for BYU really uh, of learning how to seek common ground and dialogue across difference in a respectful way and a productive way. And it's, it's really been a long-term journey now. And and so then I was through a series of events after the, after that first uh, experience at Common Ground, I was asked to come back to my campus and, and share with our senior leadership, including our campus leadership and our president, about my experience. That led to some things happening on our campus, and then also led to increased involvement with Common Ground, where they invited me part of the leadership team in 2017. And so now I've been a part of uh, planning those yearly events. We're on Zoom calls every other week, uh, working on dialoguing across difference and creating resources for other athletic departments around the country. You know, one of the things I love about the NCAA is as soon as there's a good idea and there's interest from the member schools, they jump on it and really give you the space and resources and connect you with other folks to get that the work done, right? Um, I, something so important you said, and, and I know Dan wants to jump in and ask a question, but it, it, I feel like in these conversations, there's this big myth that you have to let go of your faith in order to connect with folks who seem to have different life experiences. And it just seems from your conversation, it's like you can hold your faith and your beliefs, but but 
while seeking areas where there is overlap or there's connect for you. I feel like that's what I'm hearing from you. Absolutely, Lauren. I mean, I, that's, I think that you're right. That's one of the misnomers is, is that things are either or. And, and one of the, um, you know, one of the objectives of common ground of the initiative is that no one's, no one's core beliefs or values should be compromised. We're not, we're not there to change each other's minds or beliefs or values or identities or anything else. We are there truly to seek common ground with one another, truly to seek to better understand and uh, um, the lived experience of others. And then using that information to, to know how we can uh, better resource and support the student athletes that we all want to support. I mean, there's a reason all, you know, we're all working in college athletics that are part of this initiative. We love student athletes. We wanna see them develop and thrive in all areas of their life. Uh, and, and so that's something I appreciate is I, I never in these common ground discussions have felt my faith challenged um, a lot of really great questions that I've really appreciated the opportunity to answer, uh, you know, but, but I, but it's actually increased my own testimony of Jesus Christ as a, as a, as a Christian. Um, and, um, and, and I hope those for whom I have, I have been in dialogue with would feel the same way that they wouldn't ever feel from me, a, um, a, a judgment on their faith or beliefs or identity or lived experience. Uh, but, but, but questions I ask are because I really do want to better understand who they are. And, uh, and when we ask sincere questions, expecting sincere answers and listening for those sincere answers. And I have learned, um, you know, now I'm, I'm asked to present every now and again on tools for dialoguing across difference. And as I've put that presentation together, every tool I've learned, I've learned as a result of being in this common ground experience. And I've learned them from these other great folks who uh, many of whom have very lived experience than me, very different, um, you know, beliefs or background. And, uh, and, and that's who I've learned these tools from is, is, is from them uh, showing great respect for me and my faith. Um, and hopefully I've returned the favor of showing great respect for them and their beliefs and, and, and their, and their faith and their identity and how they've chosen to live their life. Yeah, no, that's that's incredible, and I want to in just a moment ask you. Uh, perhaps you might be willing to share some of the maybe one or two of the activities or experiences that that you've either participated in or led folks through. But before I do that, you know what what you're sharing clearly requires a lot of vulnerability from from participants as well as from the facilitators. And I'm curious, you know, as you partaking in it yourself and then joining the leadership team shortly thereafter, how, how do you feel the program? has been received, both the initiative itself, you bring it back to, to your own campus. And, and I imagine others may have done, borrowed and, and implemented some of these things in their own programs as well. How, how have y'all navigated or you personally, you know, both the support, which I'm sure there's plenty, but there may also be some resistance, right? Yes. Great, great questions. I would say the vast majority of people, when they hear me talk about this experience, uh, are, are hungry for more. I think we live in a very divided world and a very divided country and and really people want peace. People want to to live in community where um, where there's peace and, res and respect. I truly believe that. And so when they hear this experience of, of people, again, from vastly different backgrounds uh, and races and sexual orientations and gender identities and religions and faith perspectives, and and can can feel and see this genuine re respect for one another and and uh, and and learning from one another. I think people are attracted to that and saying, "Oh, I want more of that in my life. How do I get more of that?" With that being said, uh, yeah, every now and again there are folks that kind of might look at you and say, well, "Why are you talking to those people? You know, those people." And what's interesting is that has become something that has bonded me with my common with my friends on the common ground leadership team because it's not just religious folks saying that to me about folks from the lgbtq community there are folks in the lgbtq community that that are saying that to their friends about folks that would choose to dialogue with with people that are deeply religious and so it's become actually this bonding point of us where we each thank goodness only have a few but may have a few people in our life for spheres of influence or professionally that kind of look at you like why are you dialoguing with those those folks the, the, but I found the vast, vast majority uh, are thrilled to hear about it and want to know more about it because it is so intriguing. And again, I think because people really are attracted to um, to, to, to peace and, to, and to, I think people really do want to build bridges. Um, 
you asked about a few of the activities. The the very first, really the the, the first major activity we do is is uh, you know join me on common ground and and the facilitator has some some statements uh, that 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 she presents and if it applies to you, know, we're all in a circle. If it applies to you, take a step you know into the middle for a second, just so you can kind of see who else is in the room. And, uh, and my first time attending common ground, those statements started out very, you know, very simple. Join me on common ground. If you're from the West coast, join me on common ground. If you uh, have siblings, join me on common ground. If you like Italian food, you know, just, just pretty simple. And then, and then it got more, more serious. Join me on common ground. If you consider yourself spiritual, join me on common ground. If you are religious, join me on common ground. If you're Christian, I was really surprised my first time attending common ground when this, when there was a statement, join me on common ground, if you're Mormon. And I was the only one to step forward. And I don't know why I was surprised that they asked that, but I, but it kind of took me back. And I found myself as the only person in the circle for a second. And I felt a lot of anxiety welling up. And I thought I was pretty scared coming to this thing, feeling like I might be alone. And now here I literally am alone in the center of the circle. And I'm thinking who in the world is going to be my ally these next couple of days. I'm not. I'm not sure if the LGBTQ folks are going to be my ally, and I'm not. And I'm not sure my my, you know, the, my other Christian friends from other Christian denominations are going to be my ally here. And and I felt very alone, <laughs> and and it took me a little bit to sort of get my bearings again. Um, and and that was you know that that wasn't a hard statement for me to admit to that I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And certainly there were much more sensitive statements later where people were asked, you know, to, to come forward if they'd, um, you know, if they'd ever been told they were going to hell from someone in the church because they're gay or, you know, join me on common ground. If you've ever thought about suicide, because you think it'd be better to be dead than to be gay. I mean, there, you could feel the pain in the room. There were certainly much more sensitive statements than, you know, than me, you know, admitting that I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ. But but interesting, at least in that first experience for me, my that one was the only one where only one person stepped forward, and that was just by coincidence. Um, but in the others, even in those those sensitive ones, there was someone else at least to sort of look across that circle and say, "Hey, I've got you. I've been there. I'm with you. I understand." Uh, and, and for mine, for that one, there wasn't. And uh, but again, what I what I found later on in the day, I'll give you another example. We we did an activity, the leadership team. And again, this was before I was on the leadership team. They had spent a, quite a lot of time putting together a list of potential triggers for people in the LGBTQ community, triggers for religious communities, and then trigger. And then actually we developed the next year triggers for uh, LGBTQ people of faith, because for us to pretend that it's just one group or the other is, is not accurate. There are so many people of faith that identify as LGBTQ. Um, it, but so, so you know, we had this activity where we would be in groups and talk about these triggering phrases and, and why it might be a trigger. Uh, that was a real eye opener and really helpful. Hard. I mean, you know, if you want, whew, if you want a hard activity, let's actually say, let's talk about what triggers people. Um, but really helpful to better understand why, what is behind those triggering phrases and the deeper meaning. And again, these are well-meaning people that that, that that really do want to understand they have that common ground heart and as a result uh there was a there was a great depth of understanding uh that i that i that i received in 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 listening to people explain why it might be a trigger to say uh you know uh love the sin or hate the sin you know something a religious person might say that why that might be a trigger for someone from the lgbtq community and, and, and then I also really appreciate the chance for me to explain why something might be triggering to me as a religious person and to better explain, uh, you know, those things that if someone were to say like, oh, well, your church is just led by a lot of old men that don't know, you know, that don't really understand the world today, or, you know, the Bible's really outdated or whatever it is for me to explain that triggering to me, because I believe the Bible is the word of God. And, uh, and I believe that the men that lead my church are prophets, seers, and revelators. And, and so just, just to, to be able to have that deeper understanding with one another, where we weren't, we weren't, you know, Googling someone's religion, saying, okay, that's what that means. That's what you believe. Or we weren't, you know, Googling an LGBTQ organization and say, okay, that's the box you fit in. But, but we were saying, tell me your story, you know, help me understand you and your perspective and, 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 and your lived experience. Uh, so those are just a couple examples, two days full of really enriching, enriching opportunity to dialogue.
you know, I, I love, there's so many, I was like feverishly taking notes. Cause I'm like, Oh, I, I don't want all these comments to, to just live in my head, but you know, what you're saying, it sounds like the intentional curriculum that we all want to create, meaning you go deep without causing trauma and you're surfacing someone's story, but not l- saying this is everybody's story or everybody's like these things might trigger you, but you might have a, a different reaction depending on where you are and what you've been through. So I, I love that intentional curriculum. And I think that's definitely something our leadership educators could, could take away. I also feel like it's similar to a program uh, activity I do four corners at, where you say agree, disagree, strongly agree, strongly disagree. And I always start mine with I am a temple student. And I'm like, if you're not agreeing to this, you're in the wrong place. Um, but I will go stand on the wall or sometimes so sometimes I'll stand with them and say, well, I'm taking a class at temple or I'll go stand on the other wall and say, no, I haven't been a student you know, in years here. To, to start modeling that um, the movement that you want to see from others. Um, but then I get to one and it's a leadership class. It's a class on groups and teams. And I say, I support removing student organizations. And so they're like, you know, I don't, I don't, but I don't want to say anything because she loves leadership and she's always talking about student orgs. And then I get into this really powerful discussion about social influence. And I'm like, you may think I feel one way, but I also know the data. I think 10% of our students are actually involved in a student organization. And then I'm like, look, move again. I'm like, this is Vegas, move around again. And so then they get into, I don't, I can't be involved and it's, I'm taking care of my mom and I've got a job and I live far away and all of these um, reasons like, or commitments they have. And then we talk a little bit about social influence. So I love that the facilitation y'all are doing um, is something that can be truly helpful in that experience. And like you said, it's, it's not a short term, it's a long term solution like you you the intention is to keep running the program having these conversations because it's not like something that you actually like finish and do um so again no question but just more of awe and appreciation for the intentionality behind the program well thanks lauren and and that and that spark you you mentioned something that sparked a, a, one of the other activities that i think is really important that 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 usually is done um halfway in between or even more than halfway in between is is called caucusing, you know, and, and so, so we, we, we split into, into the groups with which we would feel the most comfortable. And so it, it would it, typically, it would be, you know, people of faith, uh, that, that are not LGBTQ, LGBTQ persons, uh, that are, that identify as not religious and then LGBTQ persons of faith. And we spend some time, uh, you know, in dialogue and in, in, in caucus with, again, people that we might feel a little more comfortable with. And it's a time to debrief a little bit and just say, how's everyone feeling? How are you doing? Um, but then also a time to talk about, um, you know, challenges and, 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 and uh, what, what you're feeling, what, what you hope will happen moving forward, maybe areas where you felt misunderstood so far, that sort of thing. And then each caucus group takes turns doing a fishbowl activity where that caucus is in the middle, the other groups are on the outside, and the caucus does its best to, to sort of re- replicate that discussion, or at least the salient points from that discussion, where the other groups are there just to listen and observe, and and then at the end can, can uh, essentially restate what they heard, not give their judgment on it, but just re- restate what they heard. And uh, I think that's a, an, an important piece uh, of a check-in, uh, again, for, for some um, you know, for as we're having these challenging conversations in this dialogue, to to then do a little bit of a check in, uh, to, to 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 feel supported by others and to, and to to say, hey, am I the only one feeling this way? But then not to sit in that in too long either, but to use that to then hopefully catapult more dialogue. Uh, to say, okay, we're not just going to retreat over here then, but but now we're going to come back together because this is challenging, but this is, uh, but it's important for us to um it's important for us to, to to be brave and it's important for us to be able to articulate some of those things we're feeling because that can move the dialogue even another step further uh and and yeah, I, I i've i've had the privilege now of being involved in um you know four four different yearly common grounds in addition to these every other week you know zoom meetings with the leadership team and we have another one coming up just in uh at the end of this month and uh and 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 every every year watching those happen and 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 watching people um, 
transform really in terms of uh, a comfort level with dialoguing with people and a comfort level with expressing their thoughts and feelings and how they view things. Um, and for me, I've definitely felt that. I, I went in feeling very strong in my faith, but not necessarily having a lot of experience articulating it to, 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 uh, in, in, in those ways. And I came out of that with a, with more of a confidence of knowing how to articulate it and then also how to ask respectful questions to learn more of others. And if we can help more people to build those tools, this isn't just, I mean, talking about religion and LGBTQ issues is, is absolutely one of the critical issues of our day. I think, especially in the United States, it, uh, but, but it's, but these tools work for so so many, uh, for so many contexts. And if we can, if we can build skills and tools for people to have confidence to know how to dialogue across difference. Um, and I think higher ed is, is a great place for that to happen. Uh, and leadership development certainly is a great place for that to happen because then we are educating and we're preparing leaders uh, that, that it can go, it can go, um, disciplines. It can go across topics, uh, can be prepared to know how to truly lead, uh, because, because we're not all siloing ourselves with people that look like us, sound like us, think like us, believe like us. Yeah. Well, wow. these are, thank you so much. These are such powerful and, and intense activities. And as someone who just geeks out on, on pedagogy and andragogy, it's this, I'm just, I'm, I'm loving this. And, you know, one of the things that occurred to me is, as you're sharing, and, and this is something that I guess I learned somewhat early in my career, but uh, from some, you know, basically some some tough love and some mentorship. So when you're, you know, certainly activities like this, they uh, they're going to have a big they're going to have a big impact. As I mentioned before, like you know, this requires facilitators and participants to to be vulnerable. And I had an opportunity working with a colleague a few years ago. We were looking at some of these types of activities, some of these experiences like immunity to change and others that, you know, there had been some research that suggests that these emotive, if you will, like emotional experiences in a safe space, in a psychologically safe space can as well be a form of experiential learning. I guess I'm, I'm curious what type of support, whether it be you know, mental health support or other types of support are on hand for folks that might be triggered for, you know, you, you're involved in these tough conversations. I mean, I, I can't imagine you would tell me that there's never been a tear shed or or someone's had a, a visceral reaction to to some of these conversations. And then not that anyone has been, you know, like someone has, you know, uh, overtly offended somebody on purpose or what have you, but like these things are powerful, right? And so I'm just curious, how are, whatever you might be willing to share around, how are facilitators trained? What, what type of support is on hand? Because these are great ideas if uh, program leaders or leadership educators were to say, yeah, I'm going to try this out in my classroom next week. Like, whoa, like with caution, like what does that look like? Yeah, great question, Dan. Uh, certainly, it's it's an emotional experience, and uh, and we're asked to be vulnerable, and uh, and and there are a lot of tears tears shed. Uh, it's 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 emotionally exhausting work. I I think one of the things that's helpful is our is is uh, we we try and prepare people really well so that they so that they know what they're what they're coming to. So so pre work before they even come. Uh, to attend in in understanding what this will what this might look like, we offer the leadership team as a resource too. If any you know if anyone wants to jump on a call, so we can talk through it more. Um, and and we've learned some things you know through the years. For instance, again, myself as the the only one of a member of my of my faith coming, uh, which was 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 hard and challenging for me. You know, we we try really hard to be representative in who we invite and and to and to make sure that that no one does does feel alone. And so whether that's that they at least know somebody else there or it's someone else that that shares an aspect of their identity, uh, but but that they but they know that they have other people there as support, even though that there are times where we all may feel alone in an experience, but 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 who are those people around? We also add professional counselors now. So we have professional counselors on hand. Uh, so that if you know someone does need to say, "Hey, time out," or "I just I need to excuse myself and take some time," we have people there that can follow up with them. Uh, our facilitator does a does a really good job too of just check ins, um, and 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 I agree with what you said, Dan. Like I I I I don't recall an experience where someone purposefully said something offensive or purposefully said something that they knew would uh, could be hurtful, but certainly we we all. I mean that that's what part of this is is we all are. Are uh, we all can say things that are insensitive or uh, and not realize it or say things that can be triggering, and um, our facilitator does a really good job of of of, of doing check-in sometimes or or there are times when she when you know when when she might acknowledge hey that, that that's something here that might 
might be a little hard. I want to do a check-in. Is everyone doing okay? How are people feeling? Uh, and so there, there are a lot of things in place there. I'll tell you a really neat experience, actually. My my first time there, um, there was an experience where I felt pretty pointed out in front of the group. And and I was and I was pretty emotional. I, I it felt a little unfair to me. You know, I, I felt kind of misjudged in the moment. Uh, and I was, we were all at tables and, um, and uh, I, as the facilitator went on with the next activity, uh, Dr. Pat Griffin, who I mentioned earlier was, was at my table. You know, I just met her a few hours before I didn't know her and she was on the so-called other side of this issue. Uh, but, but she, she turned around and looked me in the eye and just put her hand on my leg and said, Liz, are you Okay. And that was remarkable to me. Again, she didn't owe me anything. She didn't know me, but she could sense in what was happening that 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 I that I was maybe feeling some anxiety, and she could she could sense that 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 I needed to check in, and she was willing to check in with me, and that made a world of difference. And she taught me an incredible lesson on how to be an ally right then and there that I actually took back to 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 BYU and to my own professional and personal life, which is we want to walk people's journeys with them. When I when I meet students at BYU or other places that are LGBTQ or that uh, that I can check in with them, they may be feeling alone. They may be feeling judged or misjudged. They may not know who their allies are on campus. They may not know who who is going to look out for them. And if I ever see someone that looks in distress, or if I ever get the feeling that someone may feel like they've been misjudged, or they feel pointed out or that they've been treated unfairly, uh, I can check in with them and say, are you okay? You know, I wanna walk your journey with you. That was an incredible lesson that, that Pat Griffin taught me. Uh, and that's just the character of who she is, um, is, is, is someone that, that provides that support. Uh, and, and so, yeah, to educators that wanna do this kind of programming, you know, thinking through those things early on to make sure that those resources are in place. And a lot of it too, I think is just as educators is, is, is us making sure that we are coming to the space that not only we ourselves have enough emotional um, capacity to facilitate, but also to hold not just our own feelings, but to hold the feelings of those in the class or those that, that we're facilitating through because, you have to hold a lot as you facilitate that. And so making sure that we had the things in our own personal life, professional life to hold us up. My, my family knew how scared I was to go to this common ground meeting the first time. They all fasted for me, which is something in our faith that we typically do once a month or at other times when we want to increase spiritual strength. They all fasted for me as a show of support for me and were in prayer for me to help provide me that support knowing what I was going into. Uh, and then I was able to worship that morning in a, in a, in a temple of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I could get spiritual strength as well, knowing I was going into something that would be difficult. Uh, and so all of us need to find where we can get in that spiritual strength, emotional strength and support from others. Um, because we want to be able to bring, um, you know, bring everything we have to, to this dialogue and these conversations, and then be able to hold up other people's pain and other people's experience as well. So, so it's, it's so interesting. I, I love that you shared one, the dynamic between facilitating and just being a human and having those experiences. And, and again, I feel like it's so important to model, um, model those things that you see. And so it made me think about, so every Friday at lunch, I go to Bible study and it's, it's awkward sometimes because I'll be coming out of class and then jump right into class, jump right into Bible study, and then jump out of that and into another space where I'm doing work. But something that, um, our leader shared this month, um, God gives you mountains so that you can model moving them for someone else. And so we know sense of belonging is extremely important with college students. And so for you to step up in that circle and you be the only one, sometimes that's the mountain you're modeling for other people so that they say, okay, well, I like Liz and she can do it. Like I can do it too. Um, or it also is like a clue to your values. So I value inclusion. And so if you step forward, I step forward and said, well, I'm not Mormon, but I didn't want Liz to be there by herself. I love that. Right. And so it all still kind of teaches, teaches you something. Um, so, so I just, I, I feel like there's so much value. My question was going to be, was there a serendipitous moment? Because in our show, we always talk about these moments of serendipity that happen with folks we talk to that led them to, um, whatever kind of we're interviewing you about. So again, no question, just a comment because, you know, you're kind of just kind of walking that, that path for us. 
Well, and I, and Lauren, I, I love that. And, and it, uh, I, at the end of our two days, uh, you know, one of the activities we do is we, we talk about either something we learned or gratitude or, 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 or kind of a moment. And, and I remember at the end of those two days expressing to the group, how I felt as the only one in the circle and worried about feeling, you know, how are these people judging me or misjudging me because they've never met a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints before, you know, and, and I'm the only Mormon there uh, and feeling pointed out and, and who's going to be my ally. And then uh, for me, the moment of realization of, I bet this is how LGBTQ students feel on my campus. I bet they feel, many of them feel alone and feel judged and feel misjudged and wonder who was going to be their ally and look out for them on our campus. And that moment for me of realization uh, then really helped arm me with, with tools and resources and these wonderful people that, that could serve as resources and mentors for me to go back to my campus and do what I could to make sure that they knew that I would be there to, to walk their journey with them. It was a really neat, neat moment for me that I was able to have there or even how black and brown students feel like on their first day at work when they're the only black or brown person in that space. Or like when I, my first foray into leadership education, I didn't see a lot of black and brown people. My first foray into athletics, I didn't see a lot of black and brown people. Like I was in sport, I was a sports information director. And I remember vividly, I was at a track meet in North Carolina and there was a woman from a school in South Carolina and she was a black woman who was in sports PR. And we got in the elevator and we were just like, you you're, you're in this area too. And, and there was so much excitement. And this was like 2004, 2005. So now it's 20 years old, but at the time it, it just was such an odd experience. And so again, like having that moment makes it so much easier to relate. You may not have been that person's like race or their religion or even their, their sexual orientation, However, you can still, like you said, like step into their shoes or step beside their shoes so that you can give them that support they need in that moment. And as leadership educators, that's what we're trying to do kind of with everything. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love that. And, and you know, I, I grew up in Idaho uh, and I went to school then at, at, at BYU. And so so I, I, I didn't have a lot of experiences with with racial diversity or uh, and and so even to your point. Uh, having that experience of me feeling like me being the minority in the room of one person, which I didn't, which I hadn't had very much, you know, very much of that experience in my life. Uh, again, for me, that, that then was a, a mindset shift of recognizing then uh, many other people for whom uh, they, they feel like, or are the only one in the room uh, 90% of their day of every day. Uh, and so, um, and so I, I wish and hope that experience on everyone for the reason of then uh, uh, compassion and empathy and seeking to create more space for people of all backgrounds and lived experiences. Um, um, uh, and, and for me, that, that, that was huge, not just in a better understanding of our LGBTQ friends, but, but, uh, but friends from different backgrounds, different races, different religions as well. Yeah, that's so important because as you, as you mentioned, sometimes folks are coming from context experiences that, that perhaps they, they, you know, they just haven't, they haven't had opportunity to experience something like that before. And, and I've certainly experienced, I mean, you know, I, I, I work with a lot of students. So I'm, I'm, I'm here in Portland, Maine, which is our, our most diverse part of the state, but folks that, that lived in, in more rural parts of Maine, I mean, oftentimes, you know, to your point, like they may have never been around folks that haven't looked like them or don't, uh, you know, worship the same way they do or, or what have you. Um, so to such valid points, I'm, I'm curious, you know, th this is such powerful work, such important work, and you, you've shared some of uh, just some really, really great ways that, that you're engaging folks. I'm, I'm curious, you know, as, as you think about the, the impact of, uh, of Common Ground, what are some, you know, specific initiatives or maybe some solutions that the Common Ground Symposium maybe has introduced or things that they may have done to bridge the gap between, you know, faith-based communities and the LGBTQ plus uh, community within athletics. Yeah, thank you, Dan. So, some early things that we that we did, we we developed some um, some documents of of action strategies, uh, and 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 two different two different themes. One one was action strategies for uh, how to create more inclusive athletic departments for people of all sexual orientations and gender identities. Uh, and then one that was uh, how to how to uh, create more inclusive spaces for for those of, of different religious perspectives, uh, and with the idea that whether whether you are a religious school or a, a small private school or a large secular school or 
anything else uh, that 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 we all have work to do to um, to create spaces of inclusion and belonging. And and so that action strategy, those action strategy ideas in each one, too, we included ideas for personal personal action strategies and institutional recognizing that um, that that people are at all different positions uh, of 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 privilege and power in their organizations. And and so uh, depending on your sphere of influence, some things may be uh, a tougher ass than others. we can all do things personally. All of us have our agency to do things personally in our in our sphere of influence. Uh, and so we wanted to empower people with that. Here are some ideas of what you can do personally, no matter what institution, no matter where you are, here's something you can do. But then also then institutionally or organizationally, here's some ideas to that you can talk through with your unit, with your department, with your with your school, with your university. Uh, and um, but it, but again with the idea that uh, we are not looking to change anyone's um, core mission of their institution. Every institution is a different mission. Um, and so we, we, we tried to offer up strategies uh, that, that would fit a variety of missions and, and, to, and to be clear about that of, of uh, you know, aligned with your mission, here, you know, here's some things that, that you might consider doing. So, so that's some early work that, that we've done. The leadership team, um, will speak at the NCAA inclusion forum most years and also at the NCAA convention and talk a little bit about this initiative. Uh, and uh, and then again, hosting our yearly common ground meeting. This year we're doing something a little different. In the past, we've invited individuals from institutions uh, to, to come, which has been great. Again, the, as we've surveyed people, the vast majority have had this really transformational personal experience attending common ground. Uh, and then we leave, you know, and they go back to their institution and many find it difficult then though to know how to bring the conversation to their campus. Again, maybe based on their position or or finding others on their campus that are willing to have the conversation. So this year we are inviting uh, schools to cut, to bring a team of people, uh, to bring people that, uh, and a, a cross section of people from the athletic department and from campus, perhaps from their diversity and inclusion office or from campus life so that they will learn these skills and strategies as a team to then go back to their campus and have a and have a group of, of folks that can hopefully take uh, take this back to their campus. And then our leadership team will continue to offer support to those teams uh, throughout the year. So we're excited about that pivot and we hope that that will then help people feel more empowered and that they have the resources and support they need to then go back to their campus and, and, and continue this conversation on their campus. You know, I, I love that because it's, it feels like very, I don't want to say comfortable growth, but it feels like very measured growth. And it feels like the, as the goal is to get people to facilitate it for themselves on other campuses. Um, how does that work? Like how might folks, um, not only in athletics get involved, I know it's an athletics only it's, it's for student athletes, but how might folks who are maybe not involved already on common ground, get involved or just even connect and support the initiative? Yes, we, we would love that. So they can go to the NCAA website and, and Common Ground has a has a web page on that website. Uh, and there there's information they can read through the reports from the from the last uh, few years meetings and, and see those action strategies. And the leadership team is also listed there. They can reach out to anyone on that leadership team uh, and say, hey, I would love to be involved. Uh, how can I? And then we always have a list of people we we consider for future years, but then also throughout the year, there are opportunities for us to engage with people. Uh, you know, we'll jump on a call or a Zoom and just engage with people even individually. Uh, Dr. Amy Wilson is the Managing Director of Inclusion at the NCAA. And so she and uh, Jean Merrill, who also works on our staff or who oversee it right now, Dr. Jean Merrill. Uh, and so reaching out to them as well, but truly and you, you can reach out to anyone on the leadership team, including myself, and, and we'll get we'll get you connected with the, with the right folks. Awesome. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Anything we didn't ask that you feel like is important to share with our listeners? Just, just, uh, I really appreciate this opportunity. I, I believe very strongly in this common ground work. And again, I, I feel like it's, uh, it can be transformative and, and, uh, but it, but it's a long-term commitment. And, uh, as our, as our world and our country gets more and more divided, I think the only way we can heal is, is as we really seek, to be willing to dialogue across difference with those that have different beliefs and lived experiences than our own. Uh, and is and and we can do that one by one. Uh, we're not going to change the world in a day. But but each of us as we as we do that one by one, uh, we can we can change hearts. And what I found is 
it, when I say I change hearts, it's not me changing other hearts. I've actually felt my heart change in this experience. And, uh, and I think others would describe it similarly. And as our own hearts soften and change around issues, uh, to better understand those, um, then, then we really can change the world. Yeah, the pleasure has been all, all ours, uh, Liz. Thank you so much for um, sharing uh, these insights with us and 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 your your work, uh, not only at, at BYU, but with Common Ground. It's been such a fascinating conversation and, and absolutely best of luck to you as you continue your work at BYU Athletics and on the leadership team with Common Ground. We'd love to have you back sometime. Again, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. Leadership educators who may have a little trouble coming up with creative learning activities to further their course and program learning outcomes are now able to meet with Dan or me to discuss the process they use to ensure engaged and inclusive learning environments. Or if you're an academic leader looking for an external reviewer, Dan brings years of experience in education evaluating leadership programs. Contact us via LinkedIn today. Do you connect with leadership educators virtually? Please follow us on social media. Search the Leadership Educator Podcast on LinkedIn to find our page. And find us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod for episode release information, show notes, and upcoming events. You can connect with me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss Laura JB. You can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. We also encourage you to please subscribe at theleadershipeducator.com and rate us five stars as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matt White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor and chair of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina. Check him out at mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, we are grateful for the support of two professional associations that are destinations for leadership educators the Association of Leadership Educators, and the International Leadership Association. ALE, which funded the start of the podcast, continues to promote our mission of continuing conversations with leadership professionals. Check out all that ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. The global reach of the ILA has helped us to expand our listenership beyond our original borders. Check out the ILA's programs and resources at ilaglobalnetwork.org.